All right, well, I had the air conditioner on as a uh, object lesson. Who controls the thermostat in your house is uh, the person who has the most power. And that's what we're going to talk about today, power dynamics in the marriage and uh, how you deal with them and how you communicate them. Are we at least recording an audio, Dustin? Okay. Can you, can you edit that question out? Just kidding. Okay, uh, so let's uh, pray. And then we are going to talk about power dynamics tonight and take your questions, so let's pray. Father in heaven, um, we want to learn how to be like you. And you are, uh, you are the humble and only God, the one who um, comes to us quietly, the one who sent your son to meekly live and to die uh, in shame for us, uh, never exerting his honor or his place, but rather continually one uh, steady lying, laying down of his life for us. Father, would you teach us how to live that way? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to read to you from Philippians chapter 2, and this is, this is a new study for me. I've never done this particular conversation. Um, it's just something I've noticed in the last three or four years that it's, it's significant. There's, uh, that when a couple has um, an imbalance of power, and we'll talk more about what that means in a second, when there, but when a couple has an imbalance of power, uh, it seems like there's just never a true peace, there's never true unity, and, um, and cracks can form pretty quickly. So, let me read from uh, Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So, what do I, what do I mean when I say if there's a power imbalance? I mean, if one person in the marriage or relationship, I'm just going to say marriage tonight, um, if one person in the marriage doesn't feel like their voice matters. If one person in the marriage regularly feels like, oh, I'm going to do what the other person wants me to do no matter what I say. Uh, if one person regularly gets their way and insists on getting their way or makes, the, uh, or makes everybody in the house miserable, you know. Um, and there's all, way, all kinds of ways to exert power, right? You can exert power by yelling and, and causing someone to finally give in by 
just continually fighting over and continuing the argument on and on and on and on until the other person quits. You can exert power by pouting. You can, you know, the old, uh, the old saying, no, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And that's a terribly unbiblical attitude and, um, you know, a real problem. You can come up here. It's okay. It's fine. Um, I have a friend who used to say that he wanted to build a church with rolling pews. And so just when the back pew fills up, it slides up to the front. Another one will come out and <laughs> just, anyway. So that's kind of, does that make sense? Um, I think it will as, I, as we go on. So um, the first thing I want to talk about is the reasons for power differences. What, do you, what are some things you think could be a reason for a power difference? What do you mean? Could be. Yeah, you, I mean, you're going to imitate your parents, typically. And that has a lot of effects, right? So, um, for instance, if, you're, uh, if you had trauma, this is something we did not learn until recently. But if, um, if your parents divorced then you're more likely to be afraid to argue because um, you've just never seen healthy disagreement before. And there's this tip, well, basically, if you, went through, if you went through a divorce at all, then you kind of live with this belief, this feeling, it's deeper than a belief, it's a feeling, that um, there's this dark thing out there, this scary black hole out there called divorce that, if we're not careful, we're going to fall into it, and it's going to get, get us. And obviously, you don't, you don't articulate that, but you believe it. Um, and that kind of, that will result in, in, in panicking whenever there's an argument so that you just want to shut it down. You'll give in as soon as possible to not have an argument because you've never seen healthy arguing, right? And, uh, and that happens quite a lot. Somebody who's, um, you know, seeing their, their parents argue and make up regularly, when they get into an argument, they're just like, hey, we're finally talking. You know, this is what couples do. And, um, and so that's, that's a big one. That's a big one. Uh, if one person uh, controls the money, right? If one person rather either has money from their family or has uh, the more profitable job, or um, wins the lottery. I don't know. What's the, what's the other way to have money? The, most, the easiest and best way to get money is to be born rich. We all know that. Uh, I missed out on that one. But um, that becomes, you know, this person typically gets to do what they want to do. And, uh, and a lot of times the spouse will kind of have to ask, you know, can I spend money on this? Because uh, you feel like you're spending somebody else's money. And that's not, um, that's just not equal. It's not even. Um, another, another reason, I mean, it can be, it can be um, kind of education or career. Especially when one, uh, when one spouse, you know, drops out of school or just finishes at high school or finishes at college and goes to work to put the other uh, spouse through grad school or whatever, then um, you, you begin to feel like 
you can't take part in certain conversations. You don't know what he's talking about half the time. You don't understand her friends or what their, you know, what their inside jokes are. Then uh, it, it creates this kind of power differential, and you feel like you're just you're less than. Um, another one is um, family. This is a big one. If your family always wins the day, right? If, um, I, I just use it, I can use myself as an example. My mom, uh, we finally had a serious conversation when I was about 30. And uh, I had informed her that it was really hard to marry into her family. She was shocked. What do you mean? I said, Mama. It's just an absolute rule that everybody is going to spend Christmas Eve at your house. That we're going to spend Fourth um, of July at Ronnie's house. We're going to spend Thanksgiving at Janice's house. Those are her brother and sister, and and those are just law. And and every in-law has to li- abide by those laws, or they get talked about. And um, and that was a real power issue. And she was shocked. She's like, "But we have fun, don't we?" I'm like, "That's not the issue." You know, people like to spend things that uh, spend holidays with their own family, but if your family always rules the day, then uh, then there's a power, you know, discrepancy. You're not, you're. I guarantee you, your spouse doesn't always want to be with your family. They may not have told you that yet, but uh, they don't. So, um, if you're just better at arguing. I hesitate to say smarter, but, you know, just better with words and better at stating your case. And this, this one took me a long time. It took me a, many years to figure out that just because I can, I can win an argument against almost anybody unless you're the kind of person who just won't let something go because I get really bored pretty quick. And so I'm just like, okay, I'm tired of talking about this. I know I won, but that's fine that you want to keep going. Um, but there's a vast difference between winning an argument and being right. A vast difference. And it took me many years to learn that. And, um, and it also, like we said last, last, uh, last week, or two weeks ago before Valentine's Day, uh, it, it really depends on, on how you feel about arguing. If you're not uh, comfortable arguing, or if you don't think fast on your feet, then a lot of times you, quote-unquote, lose the argument just because, you know, you were right, you just couldn't think of the words. Or you were right, you just didn't want to hurt this other person's feelings. And not knowing that that person didn't care if they hurt your feelings or not, you know. And these are things you don't find out until you're married, uh, unfortunately. Um. Yeah, another one is just a stronger energy. This is one that really affected me and Bianca. I didn't know it. I did, really didn't, but I have a, a had back, back when I was young. And I still do to some extent. A very strong energy to me, right? And that, that plays well in some uh, contexts. That's why I can get up on the stage and more or less keep people's attention. Everybody's over the age of two. And, um, you know, it just, my mood kind of sets the mood for rooms a lot. My mood sets the mood, set the mood for the house a lot. 
Um, and that's not okay, you know? And um, I did, I, so I, it was almost like I was getting what I wanted. I was, you know, setting the direction for the evening or for the weekend or for the day without even knowing I was doing it. I, would, you, would you say that's fair? Um, <laughs> I've got to be real careful when I'm talking about my marriage. Um, you know, I, I did a test about, well, it was in 2020, so ever how long ago that was, several lifetimes, I feel like. Um, and it was a very weird test. It, was, it wasn't, it was, it was super expensive, and it wasn't the typical, um, you know, a neogram or anything like that. It was something I'd never seen. These guys developed a Nobel, won a Nobel Prize developing it. And it was like, the questions were like, which is worse? Rank these things in order from good to bad. It was like marriage, cookies, puppies, terrorism, you know, um, and pollution. I mean, it was just kind of like, you know, and I, I was like, this is a test? And I got the results back, and the thing just read me in a very weird way. And the guy came to examine me, or he began talking to me about it. He became my mentor for the next six months. And he said, uh, I'm going to be honest. Um, when it comes to work, I've never seen anybody score this high. You know exactly who you are and what you're supposed to do at work. I've never seen anybody score that high. He said, but when you're at home, you don't know who you are. Your, your score is so bad at home that I'm really worried about you. And um, I was like, ah, it's not that bad. And so I came home, and I asked Bianca, I said, can you believe he said this? And she looked at me with the courage that she would not have had 10 years ago. Uh, so this is an improvement. But she looked at me, and she said, it used to be, I used to dread Saturday because I did not know who you were going to be. And uh, that was weird. That was very weird. So, yeah, you know, just a strong, one person has a strong energy can oftentimes, and I think Bianca talked about this when she taught on boundaries, but if one person has a strong energy, then everybody else can get into a position of just uh, adjusting to them without even knowing you're doing it, right? Um, and the last one I've got is, uh, and this is, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's funny, but it's just true, is attractiveness, If your spouse is just better looking than you, it puts you in a, gosh, that's a terrible spelling. Attract. A. Okay, that's an A. It was an A all three times. Um, but sometimes I've seen couples get into this real insecure situation um, when one person is, uh, to, to, to use, um, I can't remember his name, to use one psychologist language, more than one standard deviation above the other, and then, uh, and you'll know you've noticed this probably, but um, you know that that causes problems because the person who views themselves as being the lesser attractive lives with a, a, a instability, an insecurity that you know this person could leave me at any time, and it's just there. You know, we're not saying any of this stuff is good. I'm just saying it is, right? And you need to be aware of it. Did I leave anything out? Can you think of anything else? 
Okay. So in your case, yeah, so your anxiety kind of produces um, a power imbalance. Yeah. You think. Yeah, as long as I know how much money's in that bank account, nothing bad's going to happen to me, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. That's what you, that's what you think. That's what we think. Anything else? Okay. Austin, didn't we go? We kind of made a list the other day, didn't we? Did you, can, can you think of anything we put on it? I think this pretty much covers it. All right, so let's talk about why, there are pro- why this is a problem. What happens? Um, what happens in this case, it, the, the, it, at issue is you have an insecurity that you're, you're just nurturing. You're, not, you're, never developed, you're never dealing with it. And um, that insecurity, because it's oftentimes not even acknowledged, it really produces two, uh, two or three different things that are very dangerous. If you're the weaker party, your temptation is to, um, to de- begin to despise your partner. You know, why do they always get their way? And you don't, you're not able to say it, but they always get their way. They always do. Uh, and it's just easier to kind of despise them behind their back. It, it's all those feelings that you don't, you, you're, you don't feel safe or you don't feel able to express to their face just fester up within you, right? And so disagreement uh, gets uh, nasty and it ferments and it rots into um, just despising somebody. Um, uh, you get tempted to, uh, you get very resentful. You know, you wanted to spend last Christmas with your niece. Uh, but it will, but you know he got to spend it with his and and again you don't you don't if you don't feel agency if you don't feel free to express your opinion and know that you're heard I mean obviously you can't spend Christmas in two places at once right and so somebody had to give in and it's okay that somebody has to give in if you know that you're being heard if you had if you actually had a chance of winning this. Uh, discussion, you know, of, of having your way be 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 done, then um, that's okay. It's, it's it's healthy to to give in, you know. And maybe you just you wanted to you wanted to do something, but just out of love for this person, you were like, we're gonna do what she wants to do today, just just because I love her. Uh, that's great. That's all uh, very healthy. And it's, I know Bianca got this question a few weeks ago. I, I want to talk about it again. There is a vast, vast difference between willingly laying aside what you want to do, laying aside your opinion, laying aside, you know, what you want to eat, whatever it is. There's a vast difference between just laying that aside out of love and not even getting to, like, knowing that it's no bother, not even worth bothering to bring it up. Like, that, that's completely different. And one is very healthy, and one is extremely unhealthy. You, 
Do you, do you get that? If you don't, shake your head. It's fine. I, I, but it's I'm important that I not run past this. Right, exactly. There's a vast difference between, say, yeah, there's a vast difference between giving in, laying yourself down for your spouse. That's what Jesus did, right? I, I came to lay down my life for, uh, for others. There's a vast difference between that and just being afraid to express your opinion or to feel like there's no use or my opinion doesn't matter so I might as well not even bring it up or to bring it up and just lose all the time and you're the only person who knows the difference you know this is this is an ancient problem in marriages um, some of us are signal senders um, but there's almost no signal receivers out there, you know. And uh, I heard a, a guy once when I was going through sonship, he said, you know, my wife finally told me, you know, years into our marriage, she's like, why don't you ever pick up your signals, or my signals? And she, he just said, honey, I don't have a radio. Like, I, you think I'm ignoring you. I, I promise I just have no idea what you're doing or why you're doing it. And so, you know, you just got to talk. You just got to talk. Because um, it is very possible that your spouse has no idea that you're building resentment. It's very possible that your spouse has no idea that, that, uh, they despise, that you despise them and, and then you just explode on them one day and then they win that argument because you get all emotional. And, uh, yeah, that's bad. So, uh, you know, same, same thing if you just can't say no. This is you if you can't say no. That's the weak person, the weaker party. I'm not trying to say you are weak. You just have a position of weakness. You are weak. Okay. Another, yeah, and another one, the final kind of, thing that I've thought of, the weaker party begins to get competitive. And that's really weird in relationships. Like when you see a marriage where it feels like the husband and the wife are competing against each other. And oftentimes it's like one person feels really, it's really important, you know, for him to prove that he worked more hours than she did this week or for her to prove that her job is just as, as hard as his. And, you know, there, you see, like, every sitcom for in the 80s and 70s had, you know, one of these episodes, right, where they change jobs for a day to see whose life is harder. Like, why? 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 Why is this a competition? You know, you only feel that need to compete if you don't believe you're getting respect. And winning the competition is not the way to get respect. The way to get respect is to say, I don't think you respect me. And that's a whole lot harder. So you end up having kind of futile arguments over who makes the most money or who bakes the best bread. Um, and it's not, it's just not helpful. The, it's also not great to be the stronger. 
the stronger party um, always wins and begins to feel more like a parent than a spouse. Um, just beca- precisely because you don't really see the weaker party, you don't really see their contributions, you wonder if they're making contributions, um, and you're, you, you begin to disdain. You begin to just... This is awful. But almost every one of you has thought this. You begin to think you married below yourself. And you, you should have married higher. And that's a terrible, cancerous thought that you just have to cut out the second you have it. But it's very easy just to, to get that, you know, just kind of disdainful. This person never has an opinion. This person doesn't pull their weight. And, um, and you don't, oftentimes you're causing the problem and you don't even recognize that you're causing the problem. But, um, you know, any, especially these three, disdain, resentment, and, uh, and despising, those are just cancer. They are really bad. Um, you know, if you, when, you're, uh, when you feel yourself becoming sarcastic, when you feel yourself becoming um, passive-aggressive, then uh, you know you don't you, you don't feel the you know what passive aggressive is right? You give these backhanded compliments. Um, I was being passive aggressive as crap yesterday, uh, Monday. Yeah, Monday was President's Day, and we were playing golf uh, with my pastor buddies from Christ Pres. And for some reason, we let Jonathan and Jason Bobo get on the same team, and they're way better than me and Jeremy, and they're just killing us. They're just killing us, and I was grumpy, and I get grumpy on Monday afternoons anyway. It's just a physical thing. And I was just getting bat worse and worse. And I started losing golf balls and you know, just out of just completely irrationally, I started getting mad at them for not helping me find my golf ball. And, and um, you know, and, and just kind of keep the game mo- moving. They would just go on and finish the hole and then wait for us to finish the hole because it was taking us a lot more strokes. And and so I started going, you know, hey, guys, you don't have to wait on us. That's okay. You know, and right, like right before I'd hit a putt, I'd say, if you want to go on the next hole, I don't want you to have to wait on me. I mean, that's just passive-aggressive garbage. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, your golf foursome can handle. But if that's kind of the way you give and take in the marriage, you know, hey, it's okay. I'll get the dishes this time. You know, I get them every other day. Why wouldn't I get them today? You know, if you begin to say stuff like that and you begin to hear stuff like that, just, you're just poisoning the most important thing in your life. That's all you're doing. So don't do it. Um, just don't. Um, you could say, hey, it would really encourage me if you actually stayed in here and helped me do the dishes. But if you ask them to stay in here and help me do the dishes, then you can't say, no, no, not like that. You got to let them do it the way they want to do it. You can do. You can have, either do it your way, or you can have help. But you can't have both. I'm not even kidding. All right. <laughs> Does this make sense? Y'all fought tracking. I can give illustrations for days if I need to. Any more illustrations needed? No. Okay. Well, let's talk about how to deal with it.
and, and the, first of all, and it really is important to just be applying the gospel to your marriage every day, to your life every day. But your marriage is the place where you're going to play it out the most. And so when it comes to this, these power differentials, I really want passages like Philippians 2 to ring in your heart, right? That no one be conceited or think they're better than another, but in everything have in mind of Christ, who was God, was the very form of God. Um, you know, if he wanted to come down as a, if he wanted to come appear from heaven as a 900-foot giant, as hot as the sun, that would not have been hard for him, Right? Uh, but he didn't. He came as a baby, and he was obedient to the law, and he died the, the wretched death on the cross. And, and this is our, our model. That's our model. It, it, it's humble. Jesus said to his disciples, you know what it's like out in the world? You know, people out there, they love those titles. They love those titles. You know, president, vice president. CEO, CFO, CBO, she made that one up, um, BCO. But, um, but it's not going to be like that among you. He says, if you're my disciples, you will not be that way. But the, 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 if anybody among you wants to be great, he must make himself small. If anybody among you wants to be great, he has to serve. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's, if that's not taking hold of your heart, then you're probably not in Jesus and we need to talk. Um, if you're here, you probably want to be in Jesus at least. So, um, you know, if, you, if that's not something that really convicts you, and, and rings a bell, like rings a chord inside of you, like, yeah, that's what I should be like, then, then the gospel's missing from your life, and, and you need to begin to understand what it is and apply it. And the way you apply that in your marriage is by going first. <laughs> okay, this is embarrassing. I'm going to tell the whole story. I've told this story at marriage, at weddings, probably 20 times, but I've never told the whole story. So I'm going to tell you the whole story. I was sitting in the hospital. My, my mother-in-law got very sick one Thanksgiving, and we spent 100 hours in the hospital. And I read every magazine on that floor. And the only magazine I hadn't read on that floor was Red Book. So what the heck? I'll pick up a Red Book. I'll read anything. I'm way beyond being embarrassed at this point. I haven't shaved in days. You know, I haven't showered in days. And there was an article called Sex Every Night? Question mark? Yes. Now, you know I'm turning to that. Like, that's... Let's read this. And it's actually a very thoughtful article. And she said, you know, on her wedding night, um, before, right before they went out to the ceremony, her mom looked at her and said, if you want to have a good marriage, have sex every night. And she thought her mom was old-fashioned and silly and that's just embarrassing and come on, mom. But, you know, didn't even respond to it just when we got married. 
And they were living their life and working and, you know, being the, the, the two-career home, as, as so many are. And, um, you know, their sex life got to be something they ended up having to put on the calendar, and uh, which is fine, by the way. No, no judgment. Um, but their marriage is just turning cold. And she tried some counseling and read a few books. And she decided one night, she's like, I am desperate enough to listen to my mother. And so she said she'd try it. And she started initiating sex. And um, after a week, uh, he was a completely different husband. And so much more responsive and so much more kind. And, and it really blessed their marriage. And so she was at the lunch table with her, uh, her buddies, you know, the, the gals that get together once a week for lunch. And she's like, guys, I've just discovered the most amazing way to save your marriage. And she told them, and she said, every one of them said, why should I do that for him when he won't do blank, blank, or blank for me? And she said, you know, we got two choices. You can either just both of you stand with your arms crossed, waiting on the other one, and let your marriage die, or you can go first. Who's going to go first? And, and, if, and she said, this is a very simple way to go first. And three of her friends made their marriage better, and two of them got divorced. Realized just how much they hated their spouses. But anyway, um, three out of two is not bad. Three out of five is not bad. Um, I'm not doing this to give you a homework assignment of go have sex every night. I'm doing this, to, to, telling you this, though, to demonstrate that that question, who's going to serve the other first? That needs to be on your mind all the time. How can I go first? Because your marriage is either going to be, it's going to be a spiral. I guarantee you it's going to be a spiral. Now, it's either going to be this beautiful spiral staircase of serving each other. She would do that for me. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. What can I do for her? Oh, he did that for me. I can't believe it. What can I do for him? A spiral staircase just ascending to great heights. Or it's going to be a toilet bowl going down to the sewer. She did that to me. I'm going to withhold this from her. He withheld that from me. I'm going to with- I know what to withhold from him. I know how to really get him. Because you do. You know how to get each other really good by now. And so you're just going to just get sucked down to the sewer. And the choice really is yours. And it's an everyday choice. It's not dramatic. It's everyday. So the first, the first place to deal with the power is in applying the gospel, especially if you're the one with it. If you're the one with the power in the relationship, you've got to start laying down yourself for the other. Uh, and a lot of times that looks like, you know, asking, do you feel like you're equal in this relationship? I told you all about the lunch, right? You need to be having lunch every week, like a business lunch, not a date. Uh, a br- it can be a breakfast. It can be a coffee. But it's the time when you talk about your money. It's the time when you talk about the calendar. Especially if you have kids, you've got to talk about that calendar. And it's the time when you say, hey, you know that argument we had Tuesday? How could we have done that better? How did that make you feel? You know, I, this is what I actually meant. What did you hear? That's a great question. Um, because in relationships, you have three kinds of people. you got peace fakers. And these are people who just want to 
they really want quiet. They, won't, they don't want peace. <laughs> and, uh, and they'll do anything to, for the appearance that everything's getting along fine. And if we can keep that appearance up, if you can make me believe that we're fine, then you can have your way. Just, just give me peace. Give me quiet. And then you got, on the other side, you got peace breakers. And these people... These people always, I mean, they just, they don't even know they're doing it, but because of who they are, their personality, their energy, their, just whoever they are, they're always disturbing the peace to get what they want. And they don't, they don't even know that that may not be healthy. They've never even thought about applying the gospel and asking this person over here what she wants or he wants. I do not mean to imply it's always a man. Fall into that with my my pronouns. I know that, but I I promise you, it's it's fifty fifty on this, uh, at best. But, and what we want to be is what. There you go, peacemakers. That's what Jesus wants us to be. And peacemaking means finding out what each person wants, and. Both of you, you know, being willing to give in a little bit, at least, maybe a lot, so that we can walk away in peace. We can walk away hand in hand. Um, if, you're, if you feel like you are the weaker spouse, you, just, you need to start with one boundary and just begin to say, okay, I'm going to enforce this one. Don't care where it is, you know. You go to bed at nine o'clock. You eat eggs for breakfast. You know, you're gonna wait until you get back from work to do the dishes. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is that you are not doing, <laughs> simply because your spouse doesn't want you to, and you're being, you're just kind of giving in. You need to start with enforcing one, and then work from there. Um, healthy boundaries, like Bianca said. If you are the strong, if you believe, you kind of look over this and you go, oh my gosh, I always get what I want. Um, you, you need to begin to lay down control and um, begin asking, you know, what do you want to do this weekend? What do you want to eat? Um, you know, the goal of a marriage is to be this, right? One well, I'll let you keep a little bit of your identity. Like that. Like really close. You know, now, when you first get married, you're this. And honestly, this, this bumping is not that fun. I mean, it's kind of like, ugh, You know, and you've been doing things you want to do, uh, doing what you want to do your whole life. And you just begin to moving in and in and in, sharing more and more and more. And you don't even start thinking like a married couple until about that 10th anniversary. Um, it's, it's an active thing to be like, oh, yeah, I'm married. I don't get to decide what I do after work. I have to call and say, hey, what are we doing tonight? Is it okay if I stay out a little later or not? And it's not asking for permission. It's being kind to my spouse. There's a difference. Um, you know, it's not like I'm asking permission to spend money. It's, 
It's our money. I'm not only spending my money, I'm spending her money. She probably wants to know. And so, you know, you just, it just takes a while to figure it out. But if you are the person who always gets their way, you need to be looking for things, be, be thinking, what can I lay down? You know, can I give away control of the thermostat for one day? Can I give away control of the checkbook for one week? You know, uh, whatever that is. I think I'm getting, oh, where did I lay my notes? You wouldn't have thought I had that many notes on one page, would you? Uh, I got one. All right, this is my final thing. I just want to, and this is just kind of a warning from Terry Ewing. If your marriage has been this, and you start healing, it, it's not going to be that fun. Like, there's going to be resistance. Resistance in your, like, both of you are going to resist. If you're the person who's never had any power in the relationship, and you begin, you know, getting an, an identity, a sense of self, you're going to have to stand up for yourself sometimes. And it's a lot easier just to say, okay, whatever you want, honey. Whatever you want. Uh, if you're the person who uh, always gets what they want, you're going to have to live with the temperature a little few degrees hotter in the house and be okay with it. And you're going to have to turn loose of the checkbook. And you're going to have to watch the you know, action movie that you don't want to watch. Or whatever it is. Sorry. Um, you're you're a couple now, so it's going. But it's going to hurt. I just want you. To, I just say all that to say, if you begin to do this and it hurts and you feel resistance, you're doing the right thing. And if you begin to do this and it's super easy and there's no resistance, that probably means your spouse has checked out on you, and uh, you need to call a lawyer. Just kidding. Just kidding, sort of. Uh, so, all right. Got a lot more work to do. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the first thing I said when we started this Bible study. Which seems like it was years ago, but it was just six weeks. Uh, yeah, that was just four weeks ago, but gosh, it seems a long time. Yeah, we're always, and you, you get those choices, you know, a, a million times a day. Not a million, but a lot. You know, when Bianca and I are watching television and she puts her hand down here, I mean, she wants me to hold her hand for a second. Not for too long. She's not clingy, you know, just until she pulls away. Like, now, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't been married to her for 30 two years, but after a while, you begin to figure it out, right? And, uh, you know, you, you, you have those opportunities when somebody's reading a magazine and they laugh. That's an invitation. You don't know it. I guarantee you that's an invitation. They're saying, boy, I hope he asked what I just laughed about because I want to tell him. I want to share this with him. I wouldn't have laughed if I was in a room by myself. Some people do, actually. Bianca does. I can sit downstairs and I'll listen to her laugh. Um, you know, you have those invitations all day, every day. And that's, and that's great news. That means you've got a, a, a dozen opportunities to heal 
every day. Just begin taking them. Any other questions? Was this helpful? Was this interesting? I thought it was interesting. I enjoyed it. Did I get any questions? Oh. What's that? Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. You knew I needed that, didn't you? All right. Let me pray for you. Father, we pray that this, uh, this room at least would be a place of light and of truth where uh, the darkness cannot uh, cloud our minds or confuse us. And I pray that you would um, always keep it that way. And I pray, Lord, that we would be able to just be grown-ups and look at our marriage and the way we relate to each other and ask each other how it could be more healthy and, and move from there. Uh, Father, thank you for being with us. And I pray for these marriages. I pray that they would be uh, honoring and, uh, and just a blessing to you. I pray that you would smile upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.